G'day, and thanks for tuning in to the Outpost Church podcast. We this week are hosting a discipleship training week, and our focus is on prayer, and we hope that you find this encouraging. God bless you. Father, I want to thank you for the people that have come to mind. I want to thank you for those people with whom we have had difficulties, and there is need for reconciliation. Thank you that you love them. And thank you that you love us. And thank you that you have reconciled us to yourself by the blood of Jesus. And thank you that you call us into reconciliation with one another. And I want to thank you for the powerful testimonies of reconciling people to one another, of restoring relationship. And Lord, I ask that you do it again. I ask that we would see more testimonies more restoration, more reconciliation, in Jesus' name. I want to thank you as well for the people that you've brought to mind as, as prayer partners. And where that's already happening, Lord, I ask that you would strengthen those relationships. I ask that you would give even better insights, uh, even better strategies that would be employed. Uh, and for those that are, are reaching out into this sort of space for the first time, or reaching out again after a while, Lord, I pray that they would, each and every one would find a connection, would find someone to, to run with. And I pray, Lord, that it would be um, mutually encouraging. It would be for your kingdom's sake, the advancement of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. So he didn't quite get through. Uh, that, I encourage you to, to continue it and to, to follow through. Like, what does it look like to be reconciled? What does it look like um, to run this race with somebody else more closely, this race of prayer? Um, Psalm 24, verse 1 and 2. The earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants, belong to the Lord. For he laid its foundation on the seas and established it on the rivers. As we look at this psalm, we're going to look at it in three parts. And the first part, I'm familiar with it in a slightly different translation. The first part just tells us that everything belongs to the Lord because He's the one that made it. Very simply, that's what it tells us. Everything belongs to the Lord because He made it. And I want to look through this psalm as a way to approach prayer. So as we pray, let's start with our eyes focused on Him. Like I felt like God answered a question I asked Him yesterday um, when He said, I want, I, what do you like? And I felt like He said to me, I like to be acknowledged. And it's not from this place of insecurity, but we benefit and those around us benefit when we acknowledge God. I want to read a little testimony from yesterday. So, this is um, from Jeanette, who has been joining us via live stream in Queensland. Here's part of what she sent me yesterday on this area. Um, she says that she followed Thea's suggestion of seeing Jesus there with her, just sitting there, acutely aware of his presence with her. It was really special to spend that time with him. And um, yeah, she describes having a conversation with someone. She describes 
you know, having a pause in that conversation over the phone. He's like, can I call you back in two minutes? And then having a time of just enjoying God's presence, you know, being aware of him. And the thing of picturing Jesus with you, it's important to not say imagining Jesus with you because he is actually here. But we are just picturing because it helps us, you know, to have this front and center. We're picturing what is the reality that he's here with us. And so we acknowledge him first. It's a really helpful thing. Um, I've heard it said that if you're going to pray for 10 minutes, spend the first nine minutes worshiping. Again, it's one of those things that can become a bit of a stumbling block for us. It's like, oh, what am I going to do for worship? Like, no, no. But just understand that it benefits us in every way as we worship. And worship is just focusing on Him and seeing Him more clearly and responding appropriately. So we are worshiping Him when we see Him. You know, this ridiculous promise that when we see Him as He is, we become like Him. Just seeing Him as He is causes us to become more like Him. And when we see Him completely as it is, yeah, it's, it's a ridiculous thought, but it's a promise that's made to us. So it starts by acknowledging Him. Acknowledging everything belongs to Him. We turn our eyes upon Jesus. And then from verse 3, what often happens in Scripture after people get a vision of God is that they then consider themselves. So you might be familiar with what happened with Isaiah. So he sees the, the seraphim, like he is just amazed, amazed at what he sees with this vision of God. And he says, woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips amongst the people of unclean lips. And that's when the seraphim comes and touches the coal uh, to his lips. Your sin is atoned for. Um, so he sees God and then he sees himself. You've got um, John in a different way when he has that vision of Jesus in Revelation and he falls down as though dead. But then what does Jesus do? He stoops, as Jesus often does. He stoops down to us, takes him by the shoulder. It's amazing his way that he restores us back up. But when we see him, an obvious thing would be to go, oh, but then there's me. However, let's... Have a look at what this says. Verse 3. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? It's like, is it possible to actually be in that space of intimacy with him? Who may stand in his holy place? And here is the answer. Verse 4. The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. Ooh, the one who has clean hands and a pure heart. So not only doing the right thing, but having the right motives. Ooh. That's a tough combination of things. Who fits that category? Who always did the right thing and always had the right motives? Jesus. Amen. Jesus has cl clean hands and a pure heart. And the next part, who has not appealed to what is false. So the old NIV said, who does not lift up his soul to an idol, has not appealed to what is false. When do you appeal? When you think you've got someone out LBW in cricket, you appeal to the umpire. You're like, I need your help in order for this to become a reality. If you're in court, you plead to the jury, to the judge. 
you are appealing to someone who has authority, who has the weight that Christy was talking about before, that weight. So clean hands, pure heart, who does not appeal to what is false, does not lift up his soul to an idol, does not put something else in the place of God, does not make any other thing the ultimate thing. Is that making sense? Which of those three things so far can we actually achieve? Can we achieve clean hands on our own, always doing the right thing? Can we achieve always having the right motives on our own? No. Can we achieve not appealing to what is false? I think we can. We can appeal to the one who gives us clean hands and gives us a pure heart. We can have him as our focus. Next part, and who has not sworn deceitfully. It is only by the blood of Jesus that we have clean hands and a pure heart. It is only his work on our behalf that we are righteous made holy. Verse 5. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who inquire of him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. There's that word generation. That's the thing that has really stood out to me just in the past couple of days as I've been looking at this again. The generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. So this is, of course, Old Testament talking, you know, referring back to Israel, the tribes of Israel, when it says the God of Jacob, the God of Israel. We can actually ascend the hill of the Lord. We can stand in his holy place because of what he has done for us. And we together can be that generation who seek his face, seek the face of the God of Jacob, the God who always has been and always will be. And he's also the God who is right now. And that's a powerful reality. The God who is and who was and who is to come. Because we only experience him in the present we only have this moment, you know. We don't really understand what it means that God is outside of time and exactly how that all works. But we know we are inside of time. And he is the God who is and who was and who is to come. And because he is the God of who is, we can have confidence that he's taken care of our past and he's actually taken care of our future. The God who was and who is to come is really important but we experience him as the God who is right here, right now. So the first part of this psalm, we acknowledge that everything belongs to God. We fix our eyes on Jesus. The second part, we understand that we have been made righteous and that we are amongst others who have been made righteous and we actually have this authority. We actually have this privilege of seeking his face 
together and calling others up into that. And then this from verse 7, what we can declare over um, our region, what we can declare over our homes, over our churches. Verse 7, lift up your heads, you gates, rise up ancient doors, then the king of glory will come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates, rise up ancient doors, then the king of glory will come in. Who is he, this king of glory? The Lord of armies. He is the king of glory. What I want to see is a generation who are rising up and who are calling this out and declaring into the heavenlies, declaring over regions, over homes, over schools, over businesses. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in, that Jesus may be seen for who he is. And we take authority over what we have authority over. Authority over your home. Authority over yourself. And together we take authority over regions. And we declare that over this space, over this church, over McLaren Vale, over this region, over South Australia. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Under what authority? Under whose authority? Well, Jesus said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and we are to make disciples of all nations. We are to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to teach him everything that he has taught us, which is everything he taught to his disciples. The same stuff. We continue to teach that. And as we do that, Jesus is seen more and more clearly. It starts with acknowledging him, who he is, and what he's done, fixing our eyes on Jesus, it's acknowledging that he has made us. Like, this is not about us going, look how good I am, I'm righteous. When you are free from yourself, you can actually serve others. You can actually serve his kingdom because you're not worried about yourself. And one of the things that often stops us is that we are introspective and just focusing on ourselves or feeling down on ourselves. But when we understand that we're righteous, it's like, I'm taken care of. I'm done. And I have this privilege and this power and this authority uh, where I can actually access God. I can actually be a part of what he's doing on this earth. And so I feel like Christy has addressed this morning like one of the key things that we need to be aware of, which is we need to be aware that... Uh, we have been given authority. It's always been the way that God has operated. He works through people and he continues to work through us. But the other part is hunger. And I want to finish with this. Our hunger is actually our responsibility. If we're going to be a, a hungry people, we need to make some choices. So that psalm talked about not lifting up your soul to an idol, not appealing to what is false, not putting something in the place of God when it comes to our comfort and our joy and our sense of purpose. Like, that's God alone. And I believe that 
We are not hungry for God because we are so full of the things of this world. We actually are not responsible for filling ourselves. And often we do. But we fill ourselves with all sorts of junk. I don't know if you've ever experienced it, where you've sat down to what would be a delicious meal, but you can hardly touch it because you've eaten a bunch of junk earlier. It's like, what a waste. You can't enjoy the good, rich, healthy food because you've filled yourself with something so far inferior. Our hunger for God is not his responsibility. It's ours. We actually determine the level of intimacy that we have with him. It's up to us. That verse, draw near to God, how does it continue? Exactly. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. He has set everything up. So he's the ultimate initiator, but it's our move. It's our turn. He won't force himself upon us. So we then, and it's like that analogy from before, we turn around, we see that he's here. We turn to look for him and we see that he's already there. Draw near to God and he will draw near to us or draw near to God and realize that he has already drawn near to us. However it actually operates, for us what we need to do is take a step towards him. And often that means that we need to lay aside other things. So we need to create some space. It's not our job to fill ourselves. He does the filling. He just needs something to fill. He just needs some space in there. And so often the job for us just becomes create space. Say no to some things in order that there is space for you to be filled up. We just need to come hungry. One of the things that seems to be true of at least most excellent cooks, it's like the greatest gift that you can give them is to enjoy their food. I just want you to enjoy my food. Come and enjoy my banquet. I don't want you to bring anything. Just come and enjoy it. I want to see you enjoying what I give. Like God is the ultimate cook. That's his approach. He wants us to enjoy him and his good gifts. He has an abundance. He doesn't need us to bring stuff other than an appetite. Just come hungry. You know, he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. That table, that's a banqueting table. That's not just a little bit that you can, you know, just get by on. That's an abundance of what he has for us. Does anyone know what Ephesians 1 verse 3 says? Praise be to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has what? Blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That's a feast. He has blessed us in Christ Jesus with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And the word spiritual and the word heavenly can become stumbling blocks for us because we put it off, oh, that's a future reality. But if he has declared the kingdom of heaven is within you, it's at hand. If it's at hand, you can reach it, right? The kingdom of heaven is here. 
it is not a future thing. And we get confused about how the will works, you know? Like an inheritance. How does an inheritance work? So a couple of times in that Ephesians passage, we find, out, we find that word inheritance. When do you get an inheritance? When somebody dies. Are you that somebody? No, you don't get an inheritance when you die. Like, in terms of accessing heaven, yes, we will see him more clearly when we're with him in glory. Yes, we will access more things than we do right now. But when the Bible speaks of our inheritance, it is typically talking about right here, right now. Because it's based on his death and not as. He's already died. We get to receive the inheritance like we're living, like while we're living. Just like... When someone in our family dies that has us in their will, it's while we're alive that we get the benefit of that inheritance. So we access every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Every spiritual blessing. That is an absolute feast and it is a game changer. Our job is simply to take authority over ourselves and allow ourselves to be hungry. This is where fasting comes into it. And we don't fast, like it's so easy to be focused on what we're fasting from. And yes, it is important to put things aside, but it's what we're ultimately fasting for. So we are fasting for greater revelation. We are fasting so that we can be filled by Him. When we fast from food, it does give us more time because food's just taken out of the equation. It does help us to understand that our ultimate sustenance comes from Him. You know, Jesus, when questioned about food, says, I have food that you know nothing about. My food is to do the will of Him who sent me. actually sustained in that way by the Father. Our job is to come hungry. Let's create some space. We are going to have a crack at some silence and solitude just before we have lunch. And the, way, the reason we're doing this, so silence and solitude is a spiritual discipline. It is one thing to gather with others, to be in a worship environment, like whatever it is for you that helps you to feel connected with God. And those times that you feel connected with God, more connected than other times, you're just able to see clearly. It's not that you suddenly are more connected to Him. It's that you're aware of it. You have the knowledge of it. You're actually going, oh, this is true. The best way that I know of to sustain that is through spiritual disciplines. And one of those is silence and solitude. To actually get away from the noise. And we are doing the first one of these. How good's this? That was the bell to signal the end of playtime. So it should be quieter outside for those that want to go outside in just a moment. But we're going to go through and do some silence and solitude. Up the back there, actually Rob... Um, and Steve. Steve, would you mind grabbing the red booklets? And Rob, can you grab the grey ones? Now, 
if you would prefer to have a smaller copy that'll fit better into a notebook or a Bible, but has smaller print, then let Steve know you'd like that one. If you prefer a bigger copy, um, that is obviously not going to fit as easily into places, but is so much easier to read because the words are bigger, then let Rob know uh, that you'd like that. Um, so we're using this booklet. So this is, in some ways, it's what Thea did yesterday. So we went outside and we just had some silence and some solitude and a chance to hear from the Lord. And this is just a way to do that. Um, so this is, as you can see down the bottom, it's taken from John Mark Comer's How to Unhurry Workbook. I've done this with a few of you before, um, so be familiar for, for some of you. Um, but this just takes us away from the noise. Like the idea of silence and solitude is for a lot of us, when we get into the car, you know, we'll listen to the radio, the music, not all of us, or a podcast. Um, when we find ourselves with quiet, it's weird because we're so used to being surrounded by noise. Um, and for many of us as well, we're used to surrounding ourselves with people. But there would actually be on our own where there's not the noise distracting us. And here is just a simple way to become more aware um, of God through prayer uh, with some silence and solitude. So we're just going to read through the breathing prayer together. And the reason we're going to read through breathing prayer together is you get to uh, dot point two under the number two if you open up to page five. So page five, dot bullet point two under number two. What does it say? Close your eyes. So if you're reading through this and you're obedient, you're not going to get very far. Close your eyes. Uh, what do I do now? I don't know. Just close my eyes. We're going to read through this together so you've got a heads up for what's coming. And then you're going to do this yourself. We're going to do it now. It's going to be quick when we do it now. We're not going to have super long. We'll do it after lunch as well and you have a bit longer. Just as a chance to try this out. And it's really helpful to try out forms. Maybe you're the sort of person who just likes to be creative and go with it. Um, encourage, I encourage that. That's, that's fantastic. But... It's helpful to try out things that are tried and true by others um, and then you adapt them after you've tried them as they were intended. All right. So the overview. In silence and solitude, we attempt to quiet both external noise and internal noise. But internal noise is by far the hardest to quell. Often, when we come to quiet, our minds just run wild like monkeys in a banana tree. In this first exercise, we focus on our breathing to calm our mind and let it descend into the heart of God. So we're taking authority over ourselves, and this is the process by which we're doing that. Number one, put away your phone and any other distractions. Settle into your time and place and get comfortable. You may want to take a short walk first or light a candle or stretch as a way of easing your soul into a new mode. Now, it doesn't have to be silence, solitude, and stationariness. You can move around. If you're the kind of personality where if you're not doing something, it drives you a bit nutty. If it helps to be doing something with your hands that's not a distraction from what you're doing, it actually helps you focus, do it. If it's helpful to walk as you're doing this, you're more than welcome to do that. But it is to be silent and it is to be done on your own. 
Um, and as well, with, with the phone uh, or a watch, I personally find it really helpful to set a timer. Um, you can put it on to do not disturb or whatever, but then set a timer. And then I find I don't think about the time if I've got a timer. I know it's going to alert me on my watch or on my pocket or whatever when I need to return. So setting, a, setting that, but then making sure your phone is not going to disturb you is helpful too. Um, yeah, watch your breathing, number two. Sit in an upright but relaxed position. So don't be in danger of going to sleep by lying down. Close your eyes. Take slow, deep breaths. It explains how to breathe, just in case you weren't aware. This is how to take some nice, deep breaths. All the way in, through your nose, until you can't take it anymore. And then... Just get rid of all of it. Allow every bit of carbon dioxide to come out. Um, the next bullet, uh, bullet point, feel the sensations in your body. Stress, heart rate, tightness, calmness, pain, lightness, etc. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and it's a good gift. By becoming present in our body, we become present to the moment and eventually in God himself. So just watch your breath. Enter and exit your body. Just focus on your breathing for a start. And the purpose behind that is to quiet other things. You know, it's what mindfulness has adopted. Uh, it's much more ancient principle than that. Um, but it's just allowing other things to become less of a focus because you're focusing on the moment and what's happening right here, right now. Um, this is the next one. Your mind will seize, seize this opportunity to run wild with thoughts, feelings, memories, to-dos and distractions. It's okay. It's used to constant chatter, not stillness. Don't judge yourself. That's a really important part of this. Don't feel like a failure or give up. Just let each thought go as quickly as it comes. When you notice your mind start to wander, just recenter with a quick prayer like Father or Jesus or peace or Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. And come back to your breathing. Let the Spirit generate from deep within you a compassionate hard heart towards yourself and each thought that you gently release. It's a strange phrasing, compassionate heart towards yourself. It's really doubling down on the don't judge yourself. And it's just this thing of like, doesn't, you know, don't be hard on yourself in this. It's you're practicing something, having a go at something. Uh, it's not a time of um, criticizing yourself. Um, it's not new age, hypnosis or magic, just a way of resting in God's love, being present to him, slowing down to let Jesus set the pace and agenda of our day. And then these next two parts, um, once you settle into rhythm, so once you've got that rhythm, you know, you're breathing and you're focusing in on Jesus, um, you can start to breathe out anger, sadness, anxiety, despair, fear, the need to control discontentment and breathe in the opposite love joy peace hope trust detachment detachment can get a bad rap it's just detachment from problems and that sort of stuff you're like i'm not attached to those issues we don't want to be a detached person in terms of other people um, but in terms of the things that might cause us stress to be detached from that and content um what I've found and others have commented on as well is sometimes it's more helpful to breathe in first. <laughs> so you've got something to breathe out and you're like, just breathe in your love, Lord Jesus. You're just reminding yourself 
um, as you breathe out um, things like anger, sadness, anxiety. And then before you end this exercise, spend a little while just abiding in the vine. Simply sit in loving attention on God. Watch God watching you in compassionate love. This is the core of all transformation into Christ-likeness. Through resting under God's loving attention toward us by the Spirit, we are transformed. So if you continue reading down there, you see that two to three minutes is a win at the start. Um, and we have about seven or eight minutes until lunch. So what I'd like you to do um, is to find some space on your own and to have a go at this. And at quarter past, we'll have lunch. If you take a bit longer than that, that's no worries at all. But don't take too much longer. Good for you to get some food. All right, welcome back from lunch. We finished off that last session with a chance to try out some silence and solitude. So I just want to start this session with a chance to just feedback. And so there's really, I guess, a few options for what you can feed back at the moment. So one is questions. If there's stuff from that last session that you want to, to clarify or challenge, then please let's, um, let's hear that. Um, secondly, um, if there was particular insights or revelations, then please share those. And also just keen to hear how you went with the silence and solitude itself. Um, so does anyone have any questions, comments? <laughs> Thanks, Laura. Yeah. Yeah, so the Yep. Um so my best time is the morning, like first thing and just being up earlier than my family. Fortunately, um Eden, I mean this morning she woke up earlier than she normally does, but normally she will sleep in. Um, and she's the one that needs attention when she wakes up. Others want attention when they wake up. But, you know, there is that opportunity um, in the early hours. So it really is just finding out when works for you. And um, if it means going in a, a bit earlier to work and you stop off somewhere on the way, uh, or whether it's getting up and finding that space around home. Um, but routine is really helpful in this space. Um, and then... And just the, the power of testimony. I mentioned before, like Psalm 24 has uh, borne a lot of fruit in my life over a number of years. And it's helpful to go with things that have worked before. Um, and there's actually, and he just walked in front of the camera. So his house, my father-in-law's house down in, in Goa, um, I was down there on a retreat a number of years ago. So we had a, a core team, I think it was, that were staying there for a night or two. And one of the mornings I got up just super early, woke up, couldn't get to sleep. And so I went down, I wanted to find a, a space to pray. Uh, and I eventually went into the, the laundry and I was like, oh, this is good, shut the door. Um, and then I looked, I was like, oh, there's a little sauna off of the laundry, which was another door that I could close and I could have it make a bit of noise without disturbing anyone that was still, or the rest of the people that were still asleep. 
But that sauna has just been the most amazing space. And not on, just a sauna as a room. It's just a room with nothing else in it. Beautiful smell of cedar. Um, and like, as I've said before, like the, the Bible, you know, has helped me so much in my prayer life. But my default can be to read uh, rather than just to, to engage with God through speaking and listening. And in that space, the lighting's not great. And I'd rather not be on my phone in those sorts of settings. And so it's usually a place where I'll just receive, I'll be quiet, um, or I'll speak up my prayers to God, but not read. Um, and yeah, when I go down there, it's a, yeah, it's a habit of mine that that's a space that I'll use because it's worked for me in the past. Um, yeah, so I just encourage you, yeah, if it's something that has worked for you in the past, try it again. Um, and also try out new stuff and you will find something that, that does work. And in this whole area of hunger, like I was saying before, that you need to cultivate your own hunger, there's this thing when it comes to faith, like defining faith is a really interesting challenge. And we do have it defined at the start of Hebrews 11. Um, does anyone know what that says? Hebrews 11.1. 1. Yeah, the reality of things hoped for. Yeah, substance of things not seen and the reality of things that are hoped for. And so that is what faith is. And often, you know, we can take faith to be this feeling. You know, I feel faith right now. But faith, it's not a feeling and neither is it a moment in time. But it's a position of the heart. And so for you and me to express faith won't necessarily mean we feel super confident about something and in a similar way so i'll complete that thought when it comes to expressing faith um, if you believe uh, that uh, god wants to heal somebody praying for them is a demonstration of faith whether or not you feel confident that it's going to happen the fact that you actually take action where you are trusting that this is a good solution to pray for them, then you are acting in faith. And that's what faith is. Faith looks like something. It'll be demonstrated. And hunger is the same sort of thing. When we're talking about this spiritual hunger, you may not feel like you're a spiritually hungry person, but I can tell you that you are because you are here right now. I don't think there's... I mean, Christie's food is good. I'm not going to knock Christie's food at all. Um, but... There's not much that's going to draw you here for this week unless you're hungry for more of God. And so whether or not you're feeling that, you have stepped into it and you've demonstrated it, which means you are hungry. Are there any other questions? I'm keen for us to do a bit more practice for the silence and solitude. And I want to try out, there's a couple more um, activities in this booklet that we're going to, to use. But I also want to address any questions. also want to hear from others. Yeah, don't be afraid to revisit things. And don't feel like you're going backwards when that happens. Just like, Lord, take me higher or take me deeper. Um, I was just saying how... We can feel like we're going around in circles sometimes, um, but it's all about your perspective because going around in circles is what you do on a spiral staircase. 
but you're getting a different perspective on things. It's also going around in circles when you drill down into the earth, but you're going deeper. And so both of these things, depending on your perspective, is it going around in circles or am I going deeper? Am I getting a fresh perspective? Um, that's powerful testimony. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. All right. So I think this booklet is really helpful for a number of reasons. It's really simple. It talks you through the whole lot. There's four different exercises that are in here. And we're going to take a bit of time now just to have a quick look at each one. We're not going to read through the whole lot, the whole lot like we did with exercise one, the breathing prayer. But just sometimes it helps just to take that bit of time to have a look through and see what we've got. Uh, so exercise two, the feeling and listening prayer. And this is just becoming really aware of what's going on for you. It's stopping and being still enough to go, what is it that I'm feeling at the moment? Um, and actually giving that over to God. You know, detachment was something that was mentioned in that first exercise. But you know, the goal is not that we detach from ourselves, as in we detach from who we are and what's going on. We address it, we become aware of it, and we deal with it. So this feeling and listening prayer is a chance um, just to meet God in the midst of whatever's going on for you. And we see that in the Psalms time and time again. The most common form of Psalm is a lament. And as I think it was Alex that was saying earlier in the week, it's just complaining to God. Just a whole bunch of complaining. Um, and it's just being open and honest. This is what's going on for me. Um, but it starts with that acknowledgement. Um, so that's exercise two is the feeling and listening prayer. So it starts with just, this is how I'm feeling, and yeah, you're seeking to hear from God. Exercise three is an ancient uh, process called Lectio Divina, and it is a way of reading and meditating on Scripture. And so you pick a passage. It could be as big as a chapter, but it doesn't need to be that long. Uh, you read it through a few times, and this explains what you do as you read it through and how you respond to it. Um, so that's a, another really helpful one. And exercise four is a retreat. And the idea is to do this for a full day. I uh, did it with a group that included a couple of you uh, last year, and we went away. We just did a two-hour retreat. Um, and it was something that we had done after doing this stuff for a little while and getting a bit more practice at just having those, you know, 5, 10, 15-minute times of silence and solitude. And then to go and start to get a bit excited about having a longer chunk, like having two hours. And then this is eight hours, the retreat. Take that time away. And it's a discipline that I do from time to time. I haven't, one thing I want to do this year is set a better rhythm with it, um, but take an overnight retreat. I find it helpful to go down the night before and, and to wake up and to be able to just have the day ahead um, and to, to set out. And this just gives you um, a pattern of how you might do it. Um, so spelt out in here. Uh, I think it's really helpful what he talks about at the end of um, exercise one. So this is back on page number six in the section that says abide. And the whole purpose of this is to settle yourself enough to be able to realize that God is right here. You know, we sing songs like, let us become more aware of your presence. 
And this is an active way to be able to do that. We're helping ourselves to become more aware of his presence and to enjoy intimacy with him. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to spend a moment just praying for each other. Um, a, a thing that I like to do when praying in groups is encourage people. We're going to do it right now. Uh, you're going to pray for one another, but you're not going to talk first. You're just going to pray. Um, it's going to be pretty short, sharp, and shiny. You're simply praying a blessing over the other person as they go out in order to um, participate in an, at least one of these exercises. So this time we're going to have 15 minutes. Um, in that 15 minutes, it's possible that you could do, say, two of these exercises. If you're looking at doing the Lectio Divina, make sure you have a Bible with you as well. Um, you may want to revisit exercise one. Um, you might want to do uh, one of the other ones. It's really the first three to choose from. The retreat's a bit hard to squeeze into 15 minutes. Um, but let's pray for one another that we would find stillness. And this, we were talking about this um, over lunch and, and, and just, you know, how uh, easy it is to, like with stuff like mindfulness, you know, it's such a, a buzzword and a buzz concept. Um, and for, for Christians, you know, we can find ourselves, I don't know, we can feel threatened by it or we can just want to stay right away from it. But there's principles in mindfulness that have been practiced by Christians for millennia. And so people have found something that works, all right? But it isn't uh, in and of itself an evil thing. In and of itself, there's some principles in it that are helpful. Obviously, it is taken into unhelpful spaces. Um, but for us, yeah, to be able to settle ourselves, and we are not emptying ourselves, as is often the case, but we are focusing ourselves in on our Savior, who's right here, right now. And we get to appreciate Him. If it's helpful for you to visualize Jesus, knowing that you're not imagining Him here, like He is here, but you're just visualizing Him, if that's helpful, then do that. But yeah, let's pray for one another uh, that we would be free to see Him clearly and enjoy Him and find rest. Um, and it might be that you do that and then you're feeling compelled to pray for other people. Go for that. But first of all, it's just finding that place of rest and that place of intimacy. And then, yeah, after 15 minutes. So the, we will come back. Um, we'll be back here. I'll give you until 20 to 2, which is 20 minutes from now. So right now you're going to pray for somebody else. Just turn to them and just pray a simple blessing over them for their time, and they'll reciprocate to you. Are there any questions first? All right, break, pray, and off you go. Just as we're waiting for a few others to find their way back, just... Something that's really stood out to me over the past little while about the spiritual disciplines and like fasting is kind of the classic, you know, fa you fast and it can feel a bit like a hunger strike sometimes. It's like, I'm not going to eat until you give me this. And uh, it's not what fasting is. Um, but fasting, we fast because we're not fasting so that he will speak to us, like he's already speaking. 
We're fasting so that we can hear his voice. We're just decluttering stuff so that we've got space and the capacity to actually hear him speak. And that process of, of silence and solitude, um, it conflicts with something else I believe about praying on your own. Um, but it's, it's okay. I've learned to deal with that. I'm a strong believer in praying out loud, even when you're on your own. Because most of the time, like praying in your head leads to thinking about praying, which leads to thinking about the footy or the cricket or the whatever, you know? When you're speaking it out, you're much more likely to continue your train of thought. But there's a separate discipline. So my default is I'll pray out loud. And there are times that I go away on a retreat and it's a silent retreat, but I'm not totally silent the whole time um, because there's a conviction there to speak things out. And I don't think that's a particular problem. Um, but it's good to know what the purpose of what you're doing is. And there is a time to be completely silent and to seek to engage with the Lord because obviously he can hear us without us speaking. And so we can engage with him in our mind. I find it generally more helpful for myself to speak. He's fine with either way. And what a privilege, hey, that we get to, to listen. Who did, number two, the feeling and listening prayer? Just then. Any thoughts on that one? There's so many questions at the end, isn't there? And the idea is that you just pick a couple of them, trying to get through all of them and genuinely listen. You certainly couldn't have done in the time that we had. But it's just these are the sorts of questions to ask and just listen. Give yourself time. Um, who did the Lectio? Lectio Divina. How'd you find that? Yeah? A different approach to reading scripture, hey. Yeah, meditating on scripture. Nice. Did anyone go back and do that first one again? Went back to the breathing prayer. Okay, who of you did it? Nice. Oh, that's really good. Um, yeah, I really commend this to you. It's a helpful tool. There's many helpful tools out there. Um, if you're the sort of personality like me and you tend to shy away from this sort of stuff, it's helpful to discipline yourself to stick with it for at least a season because uh, you will learn a lot. Um, and if you're the sort that tends to follow everything to the letter, um, seek to be a bit creative in it. Like still use tools like this obviously because it's helpful. Um, but you don't have to follow things to the letter. What I'd like to do to finish um, is I want to pray into this generation formed by prayer. And I asked you earlier to consider who is someone that you uh, would seek reconciliation with. Uh, the person that's in the front of my mind to be reconciled with, um, it's not that there's been this massive conflict or this massive hurt it really is a case with this person that we've just sort of drifted um, and we were very tight um, and there has been some things where it's just we've been different we've been operating in different spaces and I just feel this sense of not that we need to be like we were uh, that level of closeness but I feel like this is the time to seek reconciliation um, and so whether it's 
open conflict that you've experienced or whether it's more just passivity, uh, I encourage you to make a move towards reconciliation with somebody. Um, and then the second one was who uh, can you run this race with? Who do you partner up with um, in a really intentional way to be able to pray with? And I mentioned um, someone that I pray with regularly um, and I'm just looking to make that more um, firmed up um, and just find some ways to um, push that further than we've, we've pushed it before. Um, so encourage you to do similar in that. Um, but what we're going to do right now is we're going to stand up and have ourselves a little prayer meeting. That's what we're going to do. So this is going to be a chance for us all to be praying into a generation formed in prayer. That means that each of us grow in our own prayer lives and we actually see others around us grow in our prayer lives. So we are praying specifically uh, for this region, you know, which could encompass all of South Australia, um, but we're sort of limiting what we're praying for right now to in around here. Uh, we're praying for ourselves, for those that we know, uh, for churches. Um, so let's pray along those lines. Let's keep, as Alex encouraged us in session two uh, on Monday, let's keep focused uh, and let's pray into this together and make the most of being two or three or a bit more than two or three gathered here at the moment. Uh, Jesus is here with us. When we agree on earth, um, then it's done for us in heaven. Like we're agreeing in his name. Uh, we want to see a generation formed in prayer. So let's stand to it. Well, if it helps you to sit, you may sit, but the default would be to stand at this time. Um, and let's pray. I'd encourage you to pray short prayers. And that just enables others to jump in on it as well. And remember that thing of trying to continue the flow. If you can amen someone's prayer and continue on on a similar thing, let's pray for a generation formed in prayer.